I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. And welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. I am your guest host, Dan, one of the producers. And today we are diving into something uh, in the news, abuse in the news. There is a documentary on Netflix called Athlete A, which follows the Indianapolis Star reporters who broke the story about USA Gymnastics Dr. Larry Nasser's abuse and hear from gymnasts like Maggie Nichols. Uh, and it's on Netflix right now. And joining me on the show today is Krista DeBoer, the sexual assault therapist for DASIS. Thank you, Krista. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about this. Yeah, this is incredible. I watched the trailer before our recording and didn't realize it was on Netflix. Man, is Netflix just doing some amazing work out there in the world, right? Let's yes, just acknowledge let's that, <laughs> you know, whether it's athlete a, whether it's 13th, whatever it is, these documentaries that are talking about the issues in our world are there and they're at our disposal immediately. So this is, this is incredible. So Krista, I gave the synopsis for athlete a, but let's dive in a little bit to what your perspective is on this documentary. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think that this is an important conversation to have because as much as um, there's a lot of things that are coming out of this USA Gymnastics, Larry Nasser scandal, um, this has been happening in the sport of gymnastics for many, many years. And and I think that um, specifically with, at, with Athlete A, it, it kind of hits on some of these systems that have been set in place that have allowed abuse to happen. And I'm not just talking about the sexual abuse scandal. It really is talking about the culture of gymnastics, this culture of abuse. Um, and I think that if you follow this story at all, people talk a lot about that culture of abuse. And so what, um, and you'll see an athlete A as well because they talk about this, one of the things that is really important to understand um, to give it a little bit more context than just that little part that athlete A talks about is to understand that gymnastics um, hasn't always been this way. One of the things that really changed was in 1976 with Nadia Comaneci um, when she won the Olympics. And this prior to this, Gymnastics has been a sport of older women, really. It wasn't a young person's sport up until that point. At that point, um, Nadia Comaneci changed the direction of um, gymnastics because she was only 14 at the time. 
So that's when this thought started shifting that if girls are younger and can still do the amount of training that they need, they're going to fly higher, they're going to be able to uh, be lighter, and they're going to be able to succeed more in gymnastics. So that's an important part to understand because this hasn't always been the history of children in gymnastics. Um, the other important thing, and Athlete A definitely touches on this as well, is the significance of Nadia Komenich winning is that Bella and Marta Caroli were her coaches. So they um, actually defected to the United States. And with them, they brought the system that they had um, started in Romania. So when that happened, um, USA Gymnastics, they were not the powerhouse. At the time, it was the communist bloc, which is what they called it, um, were dominating. So the Soviet Union, the Romanians, um, they had really been dominating gymnastics. When Bella and Marta came in, they brought their coaching style to US Gymnastics. And Athlete A touches on that, but I think that's a really important thing to understand is that prior to this, um, the system wasn't like this. So- well, um, Let me ask a question real quick. When, when you talk about their coaching style versus American style at the time, it it sounds like in, like in my, my dumb little head, it sounds like I picture this super strict, you know, Russian style, communist block style versus the- kind of weak American, everybody gets a medal kind of a thing. Everybody gets a trophy, right? Is it really that simple or what's the style difference? Like, why is this so important? Um, I think it goes back to winning. USA Gymnastics, they weren't winning. They were a few gymnasts, US gymnasts kind of here, here and there, but it wasn't a powerhouse the way that it became. Um, and so, yeah, it, there is a difference in coaching style because U.S., like I mentioned, you know, gymnasts were typically older. Um, and so if by the very nature of having older athletes, you're going to have a different dynamic. When it switches to children, all of a sudden um, it switches a little bit. So, for example, mm -hmm. um, in Athlete A, they did an interview with one of the Romanian coaches that coached with both Bella and Marta. And he himself says in that movie that Belloc wanted, I'll probably misquote it, but it was basically, I want control over the athlete. Um, this, this Romanian coach goes on to talk about Marta, who had a habit of grabbing gymnasts by the neck and digging her fingers into them. And they went further and said that, and this was in Romania, um, that she would also slap gymnasts in the face so hard that she would leave imprints on their face. Wow. Um, so that coach actually did report that in Romania. However, Romania um, didn't really do much with that because it was just part of their system. Mm. So having that background and that understanding is really important because that's what was kind of imported to U.S. gymnastics and that style because Again, it kind of goes back to winning. And, um, and the abuse in gymnastics is not, I don't think, really any different from any other sport because especially sexual abuse has been happening um, for a very long time. So outside of at just athlete A, um, you know, in 1978, I think it was 78, Marsha Frederick became the first woman world champion which was a huge deal. 
and she was sexually assaulted like two hours before that meet started. Hmm. So this is not something, and that had been an ongoing thing with between her and her coach for a couple years before that. So this is where I talk about understanding the context of the sport because when Marsha Frederick reported this, she was a teenager at the time. As an adult, she reported it to USA Gymnastics and USA Gymnastics did not really investigate it and did not press charges, right? And Athlete A talks about this. Athlete A, and if you even if you do outside research, USA Gymnastics has a history, or a, sorry, a folder of about 50 to 54 cases of reported abuse that they put in a file cabinet and, and didn't do anything with. It mentions that in Athlete A specifically within that Indie Star report. So this is why I think this conversation is so important because this is not something that is new to the sport. This is something that's been ongoing for a really long time. And, and, and so when we talk about this culture of abuse, this system, and to me, it's a complete system failure. Yeah. It's important to have that context and that understanding because athlete A gives you a little slim, little slim understanding of the larger context within this sport. The other, the other thing that um, athlete A doesn't talk, it talks just a little bit, it's a little sliver in that, but they talk about coaches who were known to be abusing children that were, that people knew, but um they didn't really do anything about part of that problem was because coaches were allowed to gym hop. So if there's, there, there were suspicious and or reports, <clears throat> USA gymnastics didn't do anything about it. So they were allowed to hop from gyms to gyms to gyms. Hmm. So, you know, and, and gyms would, you know, kind of be like, well, he, there was some, you know, maybe some inappropriateness, but maybe not enough to like, make a report. And so that's kind of also what fed into this system, especially because if they're a good coach that's helping you win, you want to keep that coach around. Win at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this whole, this whole thing, you know, it didn't just start with Larry Nasser. It goes back a lot farther. And I think that's what you know, when people talk about that culture of abuse, this is really what we're talking about. And then, you know, you throw in dynamics of, of Steve Penny, who at the time was the president. And here's the other thing about knowing the context and knowing the sport is Steve Penny was not a gymnast. Um, <clears throat> he started in marketing, eventually became president of USA Gymnastics. So his focus by his background was trying to get sponsorships for, for gymnastics, which is important. It's, I'm not saying it's not, but when you have that kind of system, that's about getting money, people are real funny about money, right? They tend to want to protect it. They want to get more. And, and here's the thing that I always come back to is that gymnastics is a sport of little kids. It's, we're not talking about professional athletes. We're talking about children. Mm-hmm. 
And so when you're using children for marketing, that by its very nature is going to be a little bit exploitive. And yes, their parents are involved and their parents do have a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of say, but really like, that's what you have to understand about gymnastics is that with children and you're, you're, you know, kind of a moneymaker. And here's the other point that I, that I think I really want to make is that, um, because we're talking about little kids and the dreams of little kids, because of the political nature of USA Gymnastics, that person can make or break your dream. So that's what they talk about when they say about athletes speaking up and fear of um, reprisal. That's really what we're talking about. Because, and this is the other part of knowing the sport, is prior to 2000, um, you made the Olympic team by earning your spot. So if you finished it, depending on what Olympic cycle you're talking about, if you finished top six, normally before everything kind of changed, you would automatically qualify for the Olympics. Now I'm probably getting a little technical, but here's the other thing that is about knowing the sport and knowing the background is that there was kind of like a un- kind of spoken, even after you make the team, they would have this like selection kind of thing happen. And they would, the coaches would kind of advocate for their athletes. They would kind of like make a final decision about the team. And if you want more information, you can find this little spot um, from the 92 Olympics. Cause they actually talk about Kim Kelly who qualified for that gymnastics team. They go and they went to this selection process and Kim Kelly was ultimately dropped from that team. Interestingly enough, that was a team of Kim Zemeskel and Carrie Strug, which was in 92, who were both Crowley athletes. The athlete that they chose to replace Kim Kelly with was Betty Okino, who was um, another athlete of Bella and Marta. So, you know, that, and then it kind of came out and they were a little bit more open about that selection process. But at the end of the day, um, within starting in 2000, when they went to this selection mode, that became a part of, I can't speak out, I can't do anything, or they're gonna take away this dream. And, and so it's all these different components that we're talking about kids and teenagers. Yeah. So that's all part of this whole, when we talk about this history or this culture of abuse, these are all the different dynamics that feed into systems that then, you know, are ripe for abuse because it's a pretty rigid political system. Mm. And, and I will preface it saying like, I went through it, I went through gymnastics, you know, I was in that sport for 16 years. And a lot of that stuff never touched me just because I wasn't an elite or Olympic level gymnast. So it's not that this, you can't have a great experience in gymnastics, but it's understanding the culture and understanding like the different parts of it. And, and understanding that, you know, a lot of times gymnasts as kids, they're, they're having to go to some of these elite gyms, which might be different from, you know, their home gym where they started. And so sometimes it's, you know, parents um, taking out second mortgages on their homes 
Sometimes it's meaning one parent will go with the gymnast and go move across the country while the rest of the family is somewhere else with the other parent. So we're talking about these huge major sacrifices that the family themselves are making. And so as a kid, it's like, whether it's subtle or whether, you know, they really realize it, that's kind of sometimes a pressure too, because everyone's making sacrifices for this dream um, because gymnastics is an expensive sport, but that's part of that, that culture that, um, you know, because that was, you know, that's always, not always, but it's, it's a conversation that families have of, okay, like we got to go move to this other gym because they're, they're the best, they have the best coaches and whatever. And so, um, you know, just, that's, what's normal for gymnastics. It's just a thing. And so if you have that kind of understanding, then it's like, oh, okay, like there's a lot of different parts, moving parts to it. It's not just let's go to a gym and make the Olympics. Right. Yeah, I can't imagine the pressure that that puts on a child. And and you said it, what it struck me, children in gymnastics, these elite athletes that are going to the world stage are just kids. And they're in this power dynamic at that level is, I mean, this is going to sound really dumb maybe, but is this power dynamic just the price of progress when it comes to elite athletes? I don't know if it's progress. (laughs) I don't know that. I think Allie Raisman said it best about USA Gymnastics. She said they're about their money, their medals, and their reputation. And when you have a system, and I and to me that's kind of an accurate portrayal, to be honest. Because if your president, and that was Steve Penny, who I mentioned before, mm-hmm. gets a report in 2015 from Maggie Nichols, which is what Athlete A is all about, holds on to it, doesn't really do much for a year until before the Olympics. What are you choosing to value? Mm. What are you trying to, why are you trying to hide that? You see an Athlete A, Steve Penny saying, yeah, we didn't report. They didn't take those accusations or whatever word you want to use those allegations unless they had an athlete an athlete's parent or an eyewitness sign that statement so you see him admitting that Hmm. how do we how we can't solve all the world's problems but how do we stop this like this seems like such a huge monster that we need to slay. Can we yeah. just have a different gymnastics body that USA gymnastics then just goes away? I mean, what's well, like, yeah. So again, this is where I'm going to go back to a little bit about what people value because, um, USAG, USA gymnastics, um, they tried, I I'll say that. I don't think they really knew what to do. They had their board resign. They, you know, Steve Penny was ultimately charged, um, I think with tampering with evidence, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, and then they had a little few, you know, wrinkles because they, and maybe I'm being judgmental and I'm biased. So, but I feel like was a little tone deaf, um, because of the people that they were hiring, um, different people. One person had a connection to Nasser. One was a gymnast or one, sorry, one was a coach, um, that had come out in support of Nasser. Mm. So again, they, they're saying, you know, we're with you, we stand by mm. you. However, there's other things that suggested otherwise, whether it was intentional or not, I can't say. But, you know, I think that, yeah, it, this is a big question within gymnastics. Um, they did change a lot. And, um, and I think the system is starting to change. But I think what it has to go back to, and, and when I say this culture of abuse, I'm not just talking about the sexual abuse scandal. I'm talking about that psychological um, coaches who were yeah. forcing their gymnasts to train on injuries. Or if an athlete said, hey, I'm injured, they wouldn't be believed. Um, you know, in, in Athlete A, you hear Jamie Dancer talking about that. You, you hear about um, Carrie Strug, who... Um, in 1996, you know, we would say she won the, the gold medal for the team. Um, and then we, it wasn't until afterwards we learned that she had been training on a or competing on a pretty serious injury. So, you know, it's all these, and what was it like a couple months ago, um, Lori Hernandez, who was part of the gold medal winning team um, in 2016, her and a bunch of other gymnasts, um, reported her coach to USA Gymnastics for verbal abuse. It might, I think it was verbal. It might've been physical, but I want to say more verbal abuse. And her coach was ultimately banned for eight years from USA Gymnastics because the abuse was so bad. And, and so it's not just, it's not just this, the sexual abuse scandal. It's, you know, being called fat. It's being not believed when you're injured. It's, you know, so part of it has to come from, and I would say that there's lots of gyms out there that do it right, um, but part of it has to start with coaches, how they're training their athletes. If, if I go and watch Athlete A now, uh, how, how much of it am I going to get after our conversation or is there just still a lot to unpack? Is this, can this only, you know, an hour and 45 minutes, it can only cover so much. Like what is athlete a going to show me about this? I think it again points to, um, the system that failed and the cost that came with it. Um, so that's really what that, is going to focus on. I think that we can learn a lot from it just because it, it helps our understanding of how did this happen? Where did this come from? Um, the, the part that I would like to add or see added is how do we move forward from this? Um, because there's no real clear answer to that except to start with each, you know, coaches and gyms. Um, and I think you can do it right. Um, I think they made a really, USA Gymnastics made a really good call with Tim Forrester, um, who is the national team coordinator, who kind of replaced Marta Crowley. Um, and, and I think that he already, for at least from appearances, like I said, I'm not in it, so I don't really know, but um, 
it seems like more gymnasts are positive about him and about him changing that culture. So I think that's a good start. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that Netflix has taken this on. It's, um, it's obviously something that we feel strongly about at DASIS and, and we're glad to get in the spotlight um, and have, you know, just ha- have this conversation. You know, like you said, uh, I don't remember if it was this conversation or, not, or another one, but the idea that talking to your, to your kids about things like this, about abuse, about what's okay, about what is power, what is control, and making sure they know those things when it comes to sexual abuse. Talk to them about body parts. Talk to them about what abuse is. Talk to them about what sex is so that they understand that, you know, and in gymnastics in particular, if your coach grabs you to help your flip, you should have the consent conversation long before that part of the practice to know that they're going to do that. But if they're, you know, icing you behind closed doors and touching you inappropriately, that's a whole different story. And so having those conversations with, with your kids is so important. So maybe, I mean, do you suggest that athlete A is something that we should watch with our families so that they understand what's our, our children understand what's going on? Um, I'm not sure what the age recommendation is. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it says PG 13 for this. So I guess it's up to every family, but yeah. I mean, like we're talking about abuse and keeping our kids safe. Like, yeah. Rather than watch this than play Fortnite, but right, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it can be framed in a good conversation. Um, I think it does, um, it's it can be a little bit graphic, I think, because I know Maggie Nichols talks about when her abuse and when it happened and where it happened. Um, so just but, um, yeah, to be able to have these kind of conversations as a parent, it's super can be super uncomfortable. And it, even like I, what I hope is that you get uncomfortable when you watch the the documentary too, because, you know, we're not going to be able to create change or to see systems change unless we feel a little bit uncomfortable enough to where we can we want to be the change, where we want to do something different, where we want to as a society be something different. And I think yeah. that you know we can get there. It just requires a, some hard work. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that hard work, Krista, for being a part of this. Uh, For everybody, anybody who needs help, needs to talk to someone, our 24-7 hotline is available, 800-828-2023. Of course, everything is available also online. Wherever you're listening to the podcast, you can go to our website, dasismi.org, D-A-S-A-S-M-I.org. And all the help is there, tons of resources, chances to, to volunteer, to donate, to support this effort is all at dasismi.org. Krista, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio.
This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.